Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Plan IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome, welcome to the Concierge CPA Podcast. This is Jackie Meyer coming to you from Rosemary Beach, Florida on spring break 2023, but not the party kind of spring break because I've got lots of children. We have 10 children with us, so but we're having a lot of fun at the beach. Now, I have a, a guest that I've been trying to connect with for a while, Randy Crabtree. Um, every time that we talk, I learn something really valuable and interesting, and I'm really excited to have you. So thanks for being here. Oh, it's a thrill to be here. When we talked about it, though, I don't know, it's been a few months at least, and I was real excited to, to be able to talk to you again. You were a guest on, on the Unique CPA podcast in the past, and we had a great time there, and I, I expect a great time again. So thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Now, I want to dive a little bit into your history. And um, you ran your own CPA firm for what, like, is it, was it two decades or so? It was close, a little bit less. Um, I think I started the firm in 91 and ended up merging it in with someone else in, in 06. So 15 years, I guess it was. So not quite two decades, but yeah, quite a while. Okay. Okay. And now if you go to trimerit.com, you're now on the top 5,000 private companies with Inc. Magazine. So how, where, how did this all happen? So tell us the story. Like, why did you move out of your own practice? And how do you grow a company to that level? Okay, that's a that's a big question. Um, <laughs> let's. So, how do you grow? Yeah, you just go out and do stuff. There, boom. That's the answer. Um, no. So, so I think the getting out of the practice is an interesting story. That hopefully a story that people can learn from. And so, what what I did when I started my practice in '91, I did like what a lot of other people do. They just take anybody that they get in contact with that will will come to them for tax or accounting because I'm doing my practice and I'm hungry and I just need to work with everybody. Um, looking back, that was probably a mistake because what happened is we grew it very, very, very 1040 heavy. So tax seasons were crazy for me to the point where, you know, and a hot topic for me these days is burnout. I actually burned out and you don't have to, I want to tell that up front. There's, you can avoid burnout. There's many different ways you can avoid it. Yeah. Uh, the problem with me is that I was too controlling. I had to touch every tax return and we were doing, you know, I don't even know, 1500 tax returns. And I felt I had to touch everyone, which is idiotic. That's way too many returns to try to look at. And, and so so it got to the point where I, I realized my family was being affected. I was working seven days a week. I was working, I don't even know the hours, but I was there every day. Uh, my my kids during tax season would start to uh, act different. 
and because I wasn't around. And so what we needed to do, what I needed to do was make a change. So it's not something I promote other people to do. Um, but for me, it got to a point where it made sense to merge the firm in with somebody else. And my partner went with, and I took that opportunity to, uh, to get out. And, uh, and after about six months of realizing I wasn't independently wealthy, I decided that I probably should be doing something else as well. So that's where Trimeric came from. And that's an interesting story as well. So we could get, we can dig into that in the growth if you want to as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tell me about the birth of Trimeric and what all y'all do. Yep. So Trimeric is an, an interesting it kind of found me, the business, and the business when we started Trimerit was solely R&D tax credits. And, and this was in the mid-2000s, 2007 is when we started Trimerit. And R&D tax credits were known, but not a really well-known commodity. They had just gone through some major changes a handful of years before that. And so there was pretty much a wide open field out there. And I just started getting bombarded by R&D tax credits before I even started Trimerit. I just started hearing about it. I just started seeing this opportunity and, and just had this idea that, you know what? I think there's an opening there for somebody to go out and create a firm that is going to support tax preparers and their clients rather than going directly to clients. And then through my background is, you know, being a CPA, doing taxes, being in that profession, I just felt there was a connection there um, with tax preparers in general. So we went out and we, we, uh, uh, I was going to say dipped our toe in, but we didn't. I jumped full force into R&D tax credits. My partner came with about three months later after uh, um, we realized that this uh, was an opportunity that was going to work. But but our philosophy was we we're going to support the tax preparer and the taxpayer uh, by being an outsourced partner of them, an extension of their tax advisory, which I know tax advisory is important to you. It's important to me as well. But being an extension of their tax advisory team and bring tax saving opportunities to the client, which you know, we're we're recording here March 16th right now, uh, you know, telling people they're getting refunds and saving money is was always a lot more fun than March 15th telling a client how much money they owed and and through tax credits and incentives, uh, we were able to do that. And then over the years, we we extended our offerings to the point where I think we have about, you know, eight different tax credits or incentives that we support the the industry with right now. And Man, it has been a fun run for sure. <laughs> yeah. So you've got, you do cost eggs, you do ERC work, you're doing, are you getting the solar credit stuff? Because that's like the big hot topic right now. Yeah. So this is, this is uh, officially um, was announced, I think earlier this month that we're dealing with the investment tax credits that came out of the Inflation Reduction Act, a lot of them around solar, clean energy in general, um, March 22nd. And I know I'm, I'm dating the, the, the time here, but this month we're doing a, uh, a webinar on all these incentives. And, and it's a really interesting I get excited about this stuff. It's a really interesting topic. And I'm not, I'm by far not the expert in our firm at this point on it. The uh, John Capral, who works with us, is, is rolling this out. I will become very knowledgeable on it. But what happens is, is when you see these opportunities, 
know, as a tax advisor, you know, you're always looking for opportunities to save clients money. So with this investment tax credit around, um, you know, clean energy, you can normally go in and what you'll see is there is an ITC, an investment tax, an ITC opportunity. But when you see that, there's a cost seg opportunity. There's a 179D commercial energy efficient commercial building opportunity. There's almost always an R&D tax credit opportunity. So it becomes this, this huge potential opportunity by just identifying one new tax credit. And it is just, we have one right now that, one of our first projects is going to save the taxpayer $6 million in taxes through four different opportunities we were able to identify just because we talked to them originally about this uh, investment tax credit from the Inflation Reduction Act. So yeah, that's that's been a really interesting one. And what was their leg in on that? Like, what what was their situation that was like, oh, I see there might be a credit here? Yeah, so what happened was we actually did a webinar on this last November we, before we were even really all that uh, uh, knowledgeable on it. Uh, but we just saw that there was things out there. Six attendees were on that webinar, which is, you know, we usually have, you know, 100, 200 attend our webinars and six went on that. Um, but they got on it because of they saw what the marketing information said about it is, you know, have you have you re you know built a new building or have you expanded your building or have you retrofitted your building to be more based on clean energy usage, solar or like you said, or 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 wind or something else? And so the six attendees to that conference were all tax preparers, all thought they had a client that could you know benefit from these new opportunities. Of those six, we have three opportunities we're working on right now. So it was very specific, very niche, very unique, but they all saw that there was an opportunity for their clients. So so again, it's the tax preparer being an advisor, seeing this opportunity, and then calling us because us being the experts, and we were the experts, we are a lot more experts six months later now or five months later. Um, but when we dug into it, it, all those other opportunities came out. And so, you know, I, I don't know the breakdown of what's ITC and what's COSEG and what's the other things, but overall $6 million in tax savings, which is, again, that's a lot of fun to tell people you're saving money. Yeah, that's awesome. But you can also, I mean, they're forming these kind of like partnership syndicate type stuff, just like the QOZs, right? Yep, Where you can yep. invest in a company that's doing the solar credits. What are your thoughts on that? Because that's becoming like a, a, a really hot topic, it feels. Yeah, so so I've been staying in my lane pretty much right now, and I haven't looked too much into it. I have heard about it. I, I would have to ask internally if we've, if what we've seen are... You know, because there's sometimes where there's tax credits or tax incentives out there that maybe go a little too far overboard. I'm not sure, saying this is one exactly. of them. I'm not saying this is one of them. I just haven't seen it. Uh, I guess more so I'm thinking ERC when I think that because that's just gone insane. But from the from the syndicates, I'm guessing it's legit. I'm guessing it's good. I'm guessing there's opportunities there. The nice thing, and, and maybe what you may be uh, uh, alluding to is, a lot of these new credits, and not alluding to, but what what they're probably doing, a lot of these credits that came out of the Inflation Reduction Act are monetizable. 
if that's a word or not, but you can, you can Mm -hmm. one potentially sell them Two, in some situations you can turn them into a, a, an estimated tax payment and come tax time, it just becomes a refundable credit then because if you're paying taxes, great, you reduce it. If you're not, it's a tax payment that becomes a refund. So around there, it's probably why there's an opportunity to turn this into cash because of these really, really cool uh, uh, aspects of these new credits in the Inflation Reduction Act that allow you to turn them into cash rather than waiting Mm -hmm. for a point in time when you're going to use them against income tax, you can use them different ways. Okay, so a couple things. So if people want to check out your webinars and whatnot, should they do try-merit.com and they can find that information there? Yeah, there's a I think there I think it's called expert insights tab. And under that tab, there's multiple things. There's our webinar. Um, we're gonna have a conference coming up soon. You'll get information there. Um, there is uh, just the podcast. You can get links to the podcast. There's a lot of things down there, but yeah, it should be under the expert insights. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the tab, but yes. Yeah, I'm sure we'll, 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 they'll figure it out. So you mentioned ERC and what a disaster that is. (laughs) Let's talk through an example of that. So someone went through the mill, they, you know, got the ERC credit when they shouldn't have, what do they do? How do they fix this? Yeah. So, and I'm sure everybody's sick and tired of hearing ERC and talking ERC because it is the I mean, this is my opinion, but the most marketed, you know, tax incentive in the history of the world. Now I'm going out on a limb there, but, <laughs> but, but it, it, it's insanity right now. And and in addition, there's just so much misinformation. I mean, it, it's people are being told they qualify under all these things that don't qualify you. I mean, like you hear the question, oh, did you have to send everybody to work from home? Okay, you qualify. That is not a qualifying factor. You know, hey, did you have to wear masks at work? You qualify. No, 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 that is not qualify you. I mean, there's so many things that this is my opinion, which I think is a very educated opinion in my humble, <laughs> uh, in my humble opinion, but there's just so much misinformation. So what's happening now, we're sitting in tax preparation season right now in 2023 and, and tax preparers are being I actually don't like using tax preparers anymore. I like saying tax advisors because that is all encompassing. So tax advisors are seeing clients come to them with financial statements, tax return, financial statements for their personal, I mean, their business tax return. And there's this huge deposit sitting on there and they realize, okay, they got an ERC refund. I'm guessing in most cases, the tax advisor already talked to them about it and told them they don't qualify. And then they had these other outsized providers come to them and and convince them that they qualify. And what's happening is everybody knows somebody that took an employee retention credit uh, because Sally got it. I should get it. Bob got it. I should get it. And, And so it's becoming that. And so what's happening during tax season now, we have to figure out what we're going to do. We have a, a an ERC we don't feel is legitimate. We already looked at it. We know the client didn't qualify, at least in our opinion, you know, as the tax advisor. So what's our responsibility? IRS and AICPA both just came out with some guidance on this recently. And and I'm not fully uh, uh, engaged in what it said, but what I know, you know, I'll start with AICPA. AICPA said they put out a risk alert. They said, if 
you don't feel that there was a legitimate credit that your client came to you with, you can't file that tax return. The ERC affects a tax return. They're saying you can't, you just can't sign it. You can't do it. Um, and I think that's probably accurate. IRS basically said the same thing. You know, they're, they're quoting circular 230. And if we don't feel that this is, you know, more likely than not, or whatever the terminology is that they use to, to be upheld, um, on audit or on investigation, um, they're saying you can't file the tax return. So, so what do you do? Do you just say, bye client, we can't help you? I think what you need to do as the advisor is, is say, this is not legit. Here's why it's not legit. And here's what we need to do. And probably the best thing to do is as soon as possible, file another 941X amending the ERC and giving the money back. I mean, if we know it's not legit, um, that's what we need to do. We've actually helped some clients do that where they've come to us after the fact and, and we've looked at it and said, sorry, you don't, this is not in our opinion, you don't qualify. Unfortunately, one of them that we just did, and I just found out this yesterday, we filed the 941X perfectly, giving the money back. The IRS sent the client another check for the same amount of the refund that they got the first time. And we're like, no, we're giving you this oh money my back. Gosh. Yeah. And, and so that's just a little bit Crazy. of a horror story. But this is what I would do. You're just going to have to do it again. You're going to have to give the money back. You're going to have to beg for forgiveness, which I think you will get. I think this is just my opinion. Um, I don't think they'll penalize yeah. you. Um, but that's that's really, I mean, in in just simple, that's probably the best methodology that you need to go through right now to fix these. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to mess with the IRS with payroll stuff. I mean, that's like kind of the top of the top of the problem chain. Yes. And then last summer, the IRS and FBI raided um, that one credit company, right? And in Houston, you got, yes. do you have any like insider gossip on that or what? Um, so I'll just say that I'll, 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 um, I'll agree that this happened. I won't say anybody's name. I, I unfortunately won't comment on it. I apologize for that. It's just, uh, uh, I figured I'll let them do their own, but what I will say, yes, that has happened. Um, IRS is in general, and I don't, that one, I don't think was ERC related. I'll just say that. That's my opinion, whether it is or isn't. But what is happening, IRS has already said this and they already have shown they are going after these, these, these ERC mills, as most people call them, I'll just use whatever, that aren't doing legitimate claims. So IRS is cracking down. They know, they already know names of providers that are doing this, you know, that are not straddling the line, that have crossed the line, that are just making up credits. Uh, the first, the first real issue, or the first real indictment, or even I think it came to resolution, was a firm out of Utah um, that was doing this early on, and at a really a small level, I think, compared to what we're going to see happen. You're going to see, you know, I have heard rumors that the IRS Criminal Investigation Unit has already started investigations on quite a few of these uh, companies that are crossing the line with the ERC. And that's going to continue probably over the next six months. We're going to see a lot of information come out on this. And, and what's going to happen is the problem with all of these 
ERC issues is the clients are really the victims. Clients are trusting somebody that's coming to them with tax knowledge that sounds legit. And yeah, they're and hearing it. Potentially on- using that money, right? Using that money and then not necessarily having a way to reimburse it to their exactly. And we, I have a, a horror story on that too. We had one come to us after doing an ERC claim. The company that worked with them, this outside provider, told them they qualify for six quarters. There is almost no clients that qualify for six quarters. So that's the max for the most part. The max you can qualify. Told them they qualify for every quarter. Um, one, the calculation methods they used were just crazy and wrong. They didn't do any interplay between PPP and ERC and other incentives out there. There was nothing, but they ended up having a, I think it was about a, a three, three and a half million dollar credit. They paid this client before they came to us, they paid a $600,000 fee upfront, upfront fee, They, which is crazy crazy to me but you know you just see this you see the three million i got three million coming i'm gonna pay six six hundred thousand for my three million i mean i can see the mindset this is huge this is great for us um and then they came to us because they started to doubt they started hearing more information they started to doubt that this credit was legitimate we looked at it and I don't know the exact numbers, but we looked at it and they what they did qualify, but it was for, I think, even less than a quarter that they qualified. I think we determined about a $400,000 credit. They already paid $600,000. They've been reaching wow. out to this provider. Radio silence. Nothing. They're not hearing a thing from it. And so unfortunately, they're probably out the six hundred grand. They're going to have to return, you know, a two and a half million dollars of credit that uh, is not yeah. legitimately the air. So this is this is a that's a bad one. But unfortunately, we're going to see a lot more of those coming out. I'm afraid. Okay. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay. Well, let's 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 switch let's get gears positive. to a more positive <laughs> yes. topic. So yes. you just did an interview with someone on Unique CPA about a tax Twitter conference. Tell us about that, and tell us about your conference coming up. Oh sure. So. I think, and I know you think the same because you have a community. I think community in our profession is so important. You know, relationships, collaboration, knowledge sharing is so important. And one of the one of the cool places that that happens is just on Twitter with hashtag tax Twitter. And so I just talked to Mary McDonald, um, and she is one of three people. Uh, I wish I could remember Allison McLeod and one other Dan and boy, I don't know Dan's last name, but these three people decided a couple of years ago, let's try to create a get together for hashtag text Twitter and, and kind of even turn it into a, a conference. And so after a couple of years of thought and, and thinking about it and, and coming up with ideas, uh, they actually came up with the hashtag text Twitter retreat. I think the website is texttwitterretreat.com. And August 11th and 12th, and really on the 10th, which is a Thursday, I think people are going to start to arrive. But officially, it's the 11th and 12th in Denver. They're going to have, for lack of a better term, kind of a hashtag text Twitter meetup. But they're also going to do, they're going to collaborate. They're going to talk about. They have a couple main themes that they want to deal with at the conference, which is technology, you know, integrating technology into their practices and how important it is and how it can help. And then uh, community. 
and on top of community within community, it is collaboration, but getting excitement for our profession, getting people attracted to the profession, getting people excited to go into uh, uh, accounting degrees in universities. And so it's it's going to be, you know, they have no idea if it's going to be 10 people or 50 people. Um, but I like the fact that they're they're creating this this community, the community that's been created. Now, instead of being whatever, 2D or just words on a Twitter, it's going to be 3D because we're going to get to meet the people that are, you know, actively involved in uh, the hashtag text Twitter. So it, it, it's pretty cool. And, and uh, I talked to her just about helping promote that. Um, and then our conference, if you want me to go into that, uh, it's kind of the same philosophy. Uh, the unique CPA has had a virtual conference the last two years. You know, we started in 21 when nobody was really getting together. Uh, we had it again virtual this last year in 22. Great attendance online, but I want more community based around it. I want more, like I said, with same thing with the hashtag text Twitter or the text Twitter retreat. I want I want to create this community of individuals that again are collaborating, that are sharing knowledge, that are to the point on our registration, we are actually going to ask people, you know, to list what their, you know, their strengths are, their niches are, what certain what industries they deal with, what maybe specialized knowledge they have to share, and then kind of put that out as a publication on the on the website, and people can look and say, hey, you know, look at. You know, Jackie's an expert in, you know, and I don't know if you are, I don't think so, but let's say nonprofit or just advisory. Jackie's an, a, an expert in advisory. And, and, and now me, Jim, or whoever I am, I'll be Randy. I'll be Randy in this scenario. Me, Randy, I, I want to learn more about advisory. And so I see Jackie's an expert in this. I can't wait to get to the conference and talk to Jackie. We're going to have a drink on Monday night and we're going to, I'm going to seek her out and we're going to talk about, you know, tax advisory. And I want to pick her brain and, and, and see if she's got knowledge that I can learn from. So we're going to do that. We're going to also ask people what their outside of work passions are, which is another big passion of mine, bringing your whole self to work, not just your, you know, not just your, the, you're the auditor or you're the taxpayer, but you're the, mountain biker or you're the uh, craft beer enthusiast like I am or, or whatever. And so people can create this common bond around the shared passions they have as well. So we're going to do that. Um, but then it's going to be two full days of education, three evening events. We're going to have great speakers. Um, you know, we're, we, I have quite a few lined up already. We haven't officially announced this. The, the official announcement comes out in six days from when you and I are talking right now. But it will be arrival date, August 28th, full day of sessions, the 29th, full day of sessions, August 30th. Like I said, evening events, 28th, 29th, 30th. And the theme is, is called bridging the gap. You know, it's bridging the gap between the generations, bridging the gap between, um, you know, let's say pro software providers or vendors and professionals, because we can all help each other. We don't have to think it's them and us. It's all of us working together, bridging the gap between burnout and a good work-life balance, bridging the gap of diversity, equity, and inclusion, just all these gaps, you know, bridging the gap between a modern firm and a legacy firm and how, what are they all doing and what can they learn from each other on both sides? 
And so I'm really, really excited about it. It's uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's we're going to limit it to 250 people being the first year we're doing it in person. Um, and I'm hoping we will max out at 250, but we'll see. And it's going to be in Chicago. I didn't say that. It's well, Rosemont, which oh, is perfect. right outside okay, O'Hare. I was curious. Yep. yep. Oh, awesome. So, so yeah, we just hired a customer success guy, Brandon, uh, on the Taxman IQ team, and he lives in Chicago. So uh, we'll have to send him at least, if not the whole crew, come and, and check it out for sure. So that's that's yeah. really neat. Now. I know you probably tell your story a lot, but you have kind of a really interesting perspective on burnout and um, personal events that happened to you that have caused you to have a lot of passion around it. Um, You were very blessed and fortunate. You had a stroke, right? I did. And you are, what percentage do you think you have recovered from that? If you can recover a hundred percent, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I don't. So I feel as if I've recovered 100%. Um, you know, uh, anybody that's had a stroke, you lose part of your brain. That's just the that's just what happens in a stroke. Your brain dies. Uh, for me, it's very fortunate that it was just a small part. Um, my my stroke resolved very quickly. You know, when it happened, I lost the ability to speak. I lost the ability to use my whole left side. It was just you know completely incoherent. But that resolved pretty quick. So the brain damage, which is what it is in general, wasn't huge for me. Uh, I was I was able to start using my left side, and I was start able to speak by the time I got to the hospital, which was which was very fortunate. I ended up having numbness for about a month or two, but that went away. And I honestly feel that I you know I have. Lacking a little teeny bit of my brain, I am, uh, I am, I feel like I'm fully recovered, which is so, I am so blessed and fortunate because that, I think it's about 8% of stroke survivors get to the level I am. So I'm just, oh, I was wow. extremely yeah, that's lucky. that's amazing. Yep. So when did that happen? Where were you at in your? Yeah, so this was in at, at 2000 and wow, my mind is just blank. Okay, 14. Maybe that's maybe I do have a residual effect. Maybe I can't remember. <laughs> um, it was two, it was uh, February 6, 2014. See, that's the cool thing. It's not as significant of a date to me anymore because for the longest time that was my new birthday in my mind because that's and it still is because a lot of things changed in my life for the better after that. A lot of things changed for the negative for about five years. I went through a lot of mental struggles after that. Um, but for the positive, if I look back, man, it, 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 this is bad to say because there's so many people that, you know, stroke has been a big negative issue in their life. It almost ended up being positive for me, which is weird to say, but I'm very, you know, fortunate again and blessed that I can look at it that way now because it was a, it was a struggle for quite a few years after the stroke. Yeah. Oh. So tell me more about that struggle, the, the mental struggle, struggle there. Yeah. It, it, it's pretty cool. Not the struggle, but it's pretty cool that I get to talk about this a lot now. In fact, conferences, I do presentations on mental health and, and really we're, we're a profession where, you know, burnout, unfortunately is too common. Um, but for me personally, after the stroke, what happened was, you know, again, physically, it, it was almost no effect after, you know, the first couple months. Mentally, I started getting going down this path of 
it's going to happen again. I'm going to have another stroke. And anytime I would feel something in my head or anywhere, and you, you and I probably felt something in our head while we're talking, we don't even notice it. I fortunately don't notice it anymore, really. Um, but I would notice it then, I, you know, I got a little dizzy. I got a little headache. I got whatever that would yeah. trigger that would trigger that. Okay. I'm about to have another stroke. And this time I'm oh, not going to survive this time. I'm going to die this time. I'm going to be disabled this time. What's my family going to do? How am I going to, you know, uh, I'm going to never see grandkids. I mean, all these things would start running through my head and it got to the standpoint where it just created, you know, it was PTSD, depression, panic attacks. All this started happening to me after this. And, you know, what I able to do is kind of equate that to, you know, work didn't cause the stroke work really didn't cause, you know, the depression, but work afterwards contributed to it because it was just, I would think about things in work that I, you know, would get stressed out about and, and then all this building on top of each other. So, so it was a, it was a struggle. I'm very fortunate that I'm past that. I'm very fortunate that I can honestly say, and I don't know if people believe me now, but I don't have a bad day. I mean, every day is great. I love what I do. I redefine Aww. my role. And uh, and it is, uh, so I try to go share this, this message of hope and message of things that we can do because unfortunately we are in a profession and statistics will show it where there's a higher percentage of depression than a lot of other professions, just because uh, uh, we are, our mindset is always that of service and helping. That's just what we do. And we forget that we need to help ourselves as well. Yeah, for sure. I think something that resonates with me with, with your story, although, you know, very different from mine, but, um, I had pretty severe postpartum depression after having my daughter in 2013. Yep. And, um, I didn't, I felt like I lost like half my brain power. I felt like I had like fibromyalgia or something like that. And I, I became obsessed with trying to figure out what was wrong with me and how to fix myself. Yep. And it became so much to where like, at, at some point you have to kind of let go and move on and say, this is who I am now. Like, and I'm going to be okay. Right. Because if you just obsess about what could happen, you're, you just spiral out of control. It sounds like that's what happened to you as well. And unfortunately with mental health, it's so easy to get caught in that trap and you yep. need people around you that love you to like, let you know, like, Hey, like this isn't healthy. We need to figure out a way to move on. Right. Yep. It's extremely important to have, it's extremely important to, and, and I don't know how you dealt with it, but to, to not hide it. And a lot of people want to hide it because there's a stigma. Okay. Whether it's burnout, whether it's depression, I'm not going to let people know because, you know, I'm going to look weak or something like that. Right. Complete opposite, at least in my opinion. And I'm not a health, we better set the stage. I'm not a health professional. I'm no expert. I just can <laughs> share my knowledge that I gone through. Um, I got, I got to remember to say that. Um, but, but yeah, being open about it, is so important. And, and for me, I was, I tried to, you know, I didn't hide it from my wife. I let her know what was going on. I didn't even know fully what was going on. I would just tell her I'm having this melancholy feeling again, which now knowing what was happening, it was depression. 
Um, but uh-huh. I was having this, but she was supportive and she helped me understand that I needed to, you know, seek out, you know, help from counselors. And, and that's really what got me through to the point where I finally realized that, that I, I was in control and I could stop the thoughts and I could change the path I was going down. And it, 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 it was a long struggle, but, but it's uh but it's nice to great. I'm in a great spot. And I'm I, honestly, the weird thing is, I wouldn't change anything, which is tough to say looking back now, mm. but, but if yeah. I change one thing and I wouldn't be at the location, the spot I'm at today, I want to be where I am today. And so if I had to go through that to get to this, I'll do it again. Wouldn't like it, but I would do it. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, my, my family history has a lot of depression, anxiety. Um, and I, I, as well, I just sold my CPA firm. And so I feel like there was something about my, the way I looked as a CPA firm owner that I just didn't want people to know, you know, ha- about mental health problems. And so every day I get braver and braver about talking about different aspects of it. Yep. Um, but there's so many different um, ways to get help. Um, there's new drugs that are coming out every day that are impacting different parts of your brain that, that make things better. And I don't know why people aren't talking about those things more. So I, I agree. You know, I think it's really important to talk about it for sure. Um, I was able to do a speech on workaholism at Accountex Canada last fall. And it was probably my favorite speech ever because I was able to get really personal, um, And I had this woman come up to me afterwards crying and saying like that she like identified with that so much. And like, she was so happy that someone else had gone through that. And like, she felt that empathy, you know, she felt like there was someone else there to help her. And that's just like the best feeling in the world when, when you can help that one person. Um, okay. So enough about that. (laughs) Uh, Um, let's talk about process because not to get too technical, but people, accounts are always debating, like, do I pay for that $500 online cost seg report or do I hire the true like engineer team? Where do y'all stand on that realm of like, when do you need to pay $10,000 for cost seg versus? Yep. And, and, and so hopefully my answer isn't biased, you know, cause we do cost segregation studies, um, and, and the online, the 500, I think is good. I think there's a need for that. I think for, you know, any building that's, you know, let's say less than 750,000, it, it, it's a good alternative because it's the price is good. The, there's not as much probably to deal with that, but when you get into bigger buildings, the, there's just so much opportunity to identify, you know, cost segregation in general is just accelerating depreciation on portions of your rental, you know, your commercial or residential rental property. And so there is so many things out there that can be accelerated that in reality, you know, paying and 10,000 is actually a lot for cost seg. I mean, you can you know, a lot of cost segs that are, you know, the million plus or even, you know, a couple million, you could probably get for 5,000, 10 for sure you fall in line with, but the return on it is going to be there because you'll probably identify more opportunities to accelerate depreciation by having an engineering out, whether, whether it's us or anybody, I mean, having somebody out there to, 
identify these assets that could be depreciated quicker. And one thing we do uh, um, is we always do an ROI for our clients we'll, before they commit to anything. We'll analyze what's there. We'll determine if they can accelerate anything. We'll let them know what the return is, on, you know, the fee is and what their return is going to be. We'll make sure that there's current usability. I mean, because you could do cost segregation, but if you're already in a loss situation, does it make sense to do the cost seg today? You know? Oh, I know, right? That's yeah. the worst. I had a client come to me that, um, you know, it was a passive investment and he thought he was going to get all of these losses. And he actually was able to become a real estate professional the following year. Okay. And so if he would have waited and gotten good advice, he could have taken that loss, but instead it became suspended and, yep. you know, you can't do much about it, but yeah, go ahead. And that, well, then that's the, you bring up a good point because that's the other thing, you know, as an advisor, you can time this too. Cost segregation can be taken in any year after the, the building was either built or, you know, purchased or remodeled or whatever you've done to the building to, to spend more money on it. You can take that in any year by doing a 3115 change in the county method. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in the year that uh, the, the, the property was placed in service. So from a planning standpoint, it's a really nice tool. It, let's let's delay it till next year when we are, you know, a, a real estate professional or, you know, hopefully I'm not going off base on that. But I think that's that's an opportunity. So, yeah, for us, it's just a matter of let's go in, let's identify what the opportunity is. Let's value. And I, I think you're probably a, a big proponent of that as well. Let's show the value. What's the savings here? What's the dollars that are coming back? And 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 as tax advisors, and, and I think we're on the same page here. It's so important to be able to show the value of what you're bringing and, and cost seg and is just one of those values that, that, you know, people don't realize is sitting there and it's easy to quantify what that tax savings is and showing the client that is always a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if some accountants say, oh, well, it's just accelerating depreciation. It's not actually, you know, a permanent, tax saving, but, but there are permanent components when you're utilizing it in a high tax year versus a low tax year. Yep. Um, there's all kinds of ways that you can utilize it to advantage. So I love cost sex for sure. Um, okay, cool. So I always love to ask people, what is their favorite book? Well, podcast is probably going to be a unique CPA. Um, <laughs> What's your favorite book, TEDx talk? You know, what do people need to run out and read or listen to right after this podcast that like kind of was really impactful for you? Yep. So if I if I can name three things, that'd be great. Um, even four, maybe. So so from a book standpoint, and and unfortunately, I'm a I'm a big reader of fiction. I'm not a huge reader of business books or self-help books or anything like that which I should be because when I do it, I'm like, wow, this is so impactful. So the one that I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I know. Why don't I do it more? Um, the one I am actually listening to on tape right now, and I just started it. I've just finished it two days ago and I started it over again because it was so important to me um, was Simon Sinek, uh, the infinite game. And that. Oh, I love Simon Sinek. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and that book is just it's it 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 embodies a lot of my philosophy when it comes to our profession. You know, this is not, you know, I don't need to maximize, you know, whatever, you know, 
tech season billings. Let's look at the long term. Let's build the sustainable firm. Let's build an industry where where we attract professionals into it, where we attract people. You know, at a young age, they realize what a fun, sexy industry accounting and tax are. And so it just, when I'm listening to this book, it's just like saying, yes, we can do this. We can make this profession, uh, you know, look, be the infinite game, not the short-term gains. And so um, that I'm just really, really enjoying. And then I, one of my biggest, you know, uh, um, things that I talk about, and I'm a huge fan of John Garrett and what's your and, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with John. I think you might have even been on a show. I'm not sure. So, yeah. I, I mean, I love these authors, but I haven't read either of those. And so that's why I love asking people this. Everyone has a really unique, really yep. interesting and impactful um, book that they've had. Okay, so I'll put uh, links in the show notes for this. Yep. Um, tell me again, the the and game. Is that what you said? Yeah, so it's John Garrett, What's Your And? And I should introduce you to John. I think you'd be a good guest on his show. Um, so John Garrett, he's wrote this book, and, and it's it's something that I've always you know used but never had a name for it. And it's basically talking to people about what their and is. And their and is, you know, hey, you're a tax advisor, but that's not who you are. You are the mountain biker or whatever. That's your and, that's your passion. That's the thing that you love to do when you're not being the tax advisor. And if people can incorporate their and or their outside of work passions into their work, whether it's you know part of the business or just part of the culture that they create around their practice, I think that is so important. And so, so, so John yeah. Garrett has just been, you know, I've got, uh, I'm very fortunate to be, have, you know, to become good friends with John over the last handful of years. And I quote John and in, in his message all the time. So that is a, I am a big fan of what's your and. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I talk about bridging passion with her in your work life. And so it sounds like a very similar concept to that. I'll definitely have to read that book. That sounds really cool. Um, okay, so that's two, and then you had one or two others. Well, so from a podcast standpoint, obviously you're a podcast. Um, uh, but then, you know, I'm a big. Uh, I, I was very fortunate to be on the uh, Accounting Today podcast with Dan Hood uh, a week or two ago, and I've always loved his podcast. Just great knowledge that he's able to share. And then the Cloud Accounting podcast as well. I, I, I listen to that. And then one more. I'm going to keep going. Accounting High, Scott Scarano. I, I really like what he's doing as well. So those three podcasts are, I listen to. It is amazing. I love him. We met at a conference last year and I just adore him. He's a really cool guy. Yep, for sure. Okay, awesome. Those are great recommendations. Thank you for that. Now, Someone wants to reach out to you after the after this interview. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, best way is probably going to our website, try-merit.com. There's a meet the teams page. There's contact information for me there. Uh, we have a really good marketing team. So, you know, if you go on LinkedIn, I'll probably be there. You know, you'll see me. Uh, they do a lot of posts. So we put a lot of information out on LinkedIn as well. So you could do that. And then, you know, by March 27th or 22nd of this year, which I'm guessing this will come out after that, um, 
there'll be information about our our conference on our website as well. So you'll be able to see that, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Okay, thank you, Randy, so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Well, again, thanks. Uh, I'm glad we're able to get this done. And, and, and uh, it was an honor to be here. And I always enjoy talking to you. So thanks for having me. Of course. listening to the concierge CPA hosted by Tax Plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-C-P-A.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.